Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Boy, oh boy, guys, this is a podcast. First time I've ever done this. I'm recording a podcast out of order, going to jam it in the cycle. This should be on your cell phone. This is March 31st, 2020. I got an email over from one of my lenders, lender partners, uh, Brian Heckman over at Heckman Mortgage. The best way I can I can sum this up, guys, is to read it to you, okay? Uh, I'm going to cut through the stuff that is for realtors and whatnot and just get down to the skinny to that which matters to both realtors and investors and get talking about it. And he goes on in his email here. He said, this is the most simplified article about what COVID-19 has done to impact mortgages, both current and new, and why rates aren't as low as maybe they should be. This will answer a bunch of your questions with accuracy and was written by one of the leading mortgage economists regularly featured on CNBC CN or CNN and etc. Guy's name is Barry Habib, and there will be. A, I will actually put these. This uh, what I'm about to read you in the show notes, along with a direct link to the website. I believe in transparency, guys. Don't believe me? Do your own independent research. You need to grab the uh, link, click on it, go there, read, inform yourself. These are times, folks, where you can either choose to be a victim, or you can take advantage of the score, the, the spoils of war, so to speak. Here's an opportunity to help good people in bad situations because the more informed you are about what's going on in the world, the better off you and everybody is going to be. I can tell you that right now. So basically, if you're informed, where he goes on to say, basically, if you're informed with the info in this article, you'll be best positioned to take advantage of the market when things normalize, which is extremely likely that they will. And this is, again, is coming from Brian, my mortgage broker. He says, but the home buyer and selling market has completely shifted. So how we did business three weeks ago is completely different today. Friends, understand this is a bullet point here that's going to be the root of massive success for buyers, sellers, and realtors who are informed of what's actually happening in the mortgage sector right now. With that said, I'm going to go ahead and start reading the the article. And again, I'll have a link to this article if you want to read it yourself in show notes, but I'm going to go through it word for word. It's going to take about six minutes, and then we're going to summarize and wrap it up. So this was... Released just the other day, the coronavirus meltdown, the current coronavirus coronavirus crisis is having critical impact on the mortgage industry, which could potentially make the 2008 financial crisis pale in comparison. The pressing issue centers around capital that's required by mortgage lenders to be able to function and meet the covenants that are required in order for them to lend. Here's how the mortgage market works. Let's begin with the mortgage process. A borrower goes to a mortgage originator to obtain a mortgage. Once closed, the loan is handled by a servicer, which may or may not be the same company that originated the loan. The borrower submits payments to the servicer. However, the servicer does not own the loan. They're simply maintaining the loan. This means collecting payments and forwarding them to the investor, paying taxes and insurance, and answering questions. While they maintain or service the loan, the asset itself is sold to an aggregator or directly to a government agency like Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or Ginnie Mae. The loan then gets placed inside of a large bundle, which is put in the hands of an investment banker. Here we go, folks. That investment banker converts these to mortgage these loans to mortgage-backed securities that can then be sold to the public. This shows up in different investments like mutual funds, insurance plans, and retirement accounts. And guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind. I'm gonna read that last sentence to you again. That investment banker converts these loans into mortgage-backed securities that can be sold to the public. This shows up in different investments like mutual funds, insurance plans, and retirement accounts. Those of you that did the infinite banking or iBanking or self-banking or be your own bank type of stuff, those type of insurance plans show up inside. These, these mortgage-backed securities show up inside of these insurance plans. So this is what they're banking on. 
Okay, this is what's important to note here. You got to read between the lines. You got to take the information and then decipher what it actually means. The servicer's role is very critical. In order to obtain the right to service loans, the servicer will typically pay 1% of the loan upfront. The servicer then receives a monthly payment or strip equal to about 30 basis points per year. Because they paid about 1% to obtain servicing rights and receive roughly 30 basis points in annual income, the break-even period is about three years. The longer that the loan remains on the books, the more money the servicer makes. In many cases, the servicer might want to use leverage to increase their level of income. Therefore, they may finance half of the cost of acquiring the loan and pay the rest in cash. Servicing runoff or even anticip the anticipation of it can adversely affect the market valuation of a servicing portfolio. So here's a servicer dilemma. As you might imagine, when interest rates drop dramatically, there's an increased incentive for many people to refinance their loans more rapidly. This causes the loans that servicers had on their books to pay off sooner, often before that three-year break-even period. This servicing runoff creates losses for that mortgage lender who is servicing the loan. The more loans in a mortgage lender's portfolio, the greater the loss. Servicing runoff, or even the anticipation of it, can adversely affect the market valuation of a servicing portfolio. But at the same time, lenders typically experience an increase in new loan activity because of the decline of interest rates. This gives them additional income to help them overcome the losses in their servicing portfolio. But the coronavirus has caused a virtual shutdown of the U.S. economy, which has created unprecedented amount of job losses. This adds a new risk to the servicer because the borrowers may have difficulty paying their mortgage in a timely manner. And although the servicer does not yet own the asset, they have the responsibility to make the payment to the investor even if they haven't received it from the borrower. Under normal circumstances, the servicer has plenty of cushion to account for this but an extreme level of delinquency puts the servicer in an unmanageable position. Next session starts with, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. If the government's effort to help those who have lost their jobs because of coronavirus shutdown, they have granted a forbearance of mortgage payments for affected individuals. This presents an enormous obstacle for servicers who are obligated to forward the mortgage payment to the investor, even though they've not yet received it. Fortunately, there's a new facility set up to help mortgage servicers bridge the gap to the investor. However, it's unclear as to how long it will take for servicers to access this facility. But what has not been contemplated is the fact that the, a borrower who does not make their very first mortgage payment causes that loan to be ineligible to be sold to an investor. This means that the servicer must hold on to the asset itself, which ties up their available credit. And with so many new loans being originated as of late, the amount of transactions that will not qualify for a sale is significant. This restricts the lender's ability to clear their pipeline and get reimbursed with cash so they can fund new transactions. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to stop right there for just a second so you can reflect on what we just said. This is why I've been droning on about learning how to raise private capital. If you're finally convinced that you need to get off the couch and learn how to raise your own money so you don't have to depend on this, this train wreck, now's a good time to go to privatemoneycrashcourse.com and pull the freaking trigger. It's the cost of lunch for two. The Fed's desire to bring mortgage rates down isn't just damaging servicing portfolios because of prepayments, it's also wreaking chaos on the lender's ability to hedge their risk. Mark to market. This week, due to accelerated prepayments and the uncertainty of repayment, the value of servicing was slashed in half from 
percent to a half percent. This drastically decreased the value and prompted margin calls for many servicers who financed their acquisition of servicing. Additionally, the decreased value of a lender's servicing portfolio reduces the lender's overall net worth. Since the amount a lender can lend is based on a multiple of their net worth, their decrease in value of their servicing portfolio asset along with the cash paid for margin calls reduces the capacity to lend. Unintended Consequences The Fed's desire to bring mortgage rates down isn't just damaging servicing portfolios because of prepayments, it's also wreaking chaos in the lender's ability to hedge their risk. Let's look at what happens when a borrower locks in their mortgage rate with a mortgage lender. Mortgage rates are based on the trading of mortgage-backed securities. As mortgage-backed securities rise in price, interest rates improve and move lower. A locked rate on a mortgage is nothing more than a lender promising to hold interest rate for a period of time or until the transaction closes. The lenders at risk for any mortgage-backed security price changes in the marketplace between the time they agreed to grant the lock and the time the loan closes. If rates were to rise because mortgage-backed security prices declined, the lender would be obligated to buy down the borrower's mortgage rate to the level they were promised. And since the lender doesn't want to be in the position of gambling, they hedge their back loans by shorting mortgage-backed securities. Therefore, should mortgage-backed securities drop in price, cause rates to rise, the lender's cost to buy down the borrower's rate is offset by the lender's gains of their short positions in mortgage-backed securities. Now think about what happens when mortgage-backed security prices rise or improve, causing mortgage rates to decline. On paper, the lender should be able to close the mortgage loan at a better price than promised to the borrower, giving the lender additional profits. However, the lender's losses on their short position negate any additional profits from the improvement in mortgage-backed security pricing. This hedging system works well to deliver the borrower what's promised while removing market risk from the lender. But in an effort to reduce mortgage rates, the Fed has been purchasing an incredible amount of mortgage-backed securities, causing their price to rise dramatically and swiftly. This in turn causes the lender's hedged short positions of mortgage-backed securities to show huge losses. These losses appear to be offset on paper by the potential market gains on the loans that the lender hopes to use or hopes to close in the future. But the broker-dealer will not wait for the possibility of future loans closing and demands an immediate margin call. The recent amount that these lenders are paying in margin calls is staggering. They're running into the tens of millions of dollars. All of this on top of the aforementioned stresses that lenders are having to endure. So while the Fed believes they're stimulating lending, their actions are actually resulting in the exact opposite. The market for government loans, jumbo loans, and loans that don't fit ideal parameters have all but dried up. And many lenders have no choice but to slow their intake of transactions by throttling mortgage rates higher and by reducing the term that they're willing to guarantee a rate lock. Furthering the Fed's unintended consequences was the announcement to cut interest rates on the Fed's fund rate by one from by one percent to virtually zero. Because of the Fed's communication, because the Fed's communication failed to educate the general public that the Fed's fund rate is very different than mortgage rates, it prompted borrowers in process to break their locks and try to jump ship to a lower rate. This dramatically increased hedging losses from banks that didn't end up closing. It's been said that the stock market will do the most damage to people at the worst time. Even Stephen King could not have scripted this. However, at the current mortgage market is experiencing the most perfect storm. Just when volume levels are at their highest in history, servicing runoff at its peak, and pipelines hedged more than ever, the coronavirus arrived. Lenders need to clear their pipelines, but social distancing is making it more difficult for transactions to be processed. And those loans that are about to close require that an employment be verified. As you can imagine, with tens of indiv millions of individuals losing their jobs, these mortgages are unable to fund, leaving lenders with more hedging losses and no income to offset it. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to ask yourself, what needs to be done now? This letter closes by saying, fortunately, 
There are many smart people in the mortgage industry who are doing everything they can to navigate through these perilous times. But the Fed and our government needs to stop making it more difficult. The Fed must temporarily slow mortgage-backed security purchases to allow pipelines to clear. Lawmakers need to allow for first payment defaults due to forbearance to be saleable. And finally, the Fed must clearly communicate that mortgage rates, Fed fund rates, are not the same. The last sentence in here says, We have faith that the effects of coronavirus will subside and that things will become more normalized in, in upcoming months. Now, I promised you when I started reading this that I was going to summarize this whole thing at the end because I know I just came at you with a fire hose. I know I just threw a ton of information at you. Some of you understand exactly what I'm saying in the, in the totality of the circumstances. Others may not. And here's the deal. That's not your fault because what the reality of things is is that whoever it may be, you can blame the government, big business, whoever, has done everything they possibly can to keep you in the dark. One of the reasons I do this podcast is to make sure that you're not in the dark so that I can shine a light on what's going on. Now, I spent a lot of time studying people like Jim Rickards, Peter Schiff, Robert Kiyosaki, a lot of economists and people that really have a good finger on what's going on in the world. Those of you have probably figured out I'm not a very political person. I'm not one that jumps up and down about Republican, Democrat, or anything like that, because at the end of the day, they all have their, their, their shares of being crooked and dishonest. But know this, what you just read basically is a play-by-play of how the Fed and the mortgage industry are at odds. And the Fed, whether that you think that is the president or the Speaker of the House or whoever, the go- your elected government as an entirety is scrambling to fix a problem. But understand this, the majority of your elected officials are attorneys. They're not economists, they're attorneys. What they understand is the law and the manipulation and creation of the law. They are by no means accountants. They're not economists. They're not financial experts. If you go back and, and read what went on during the last mortgage crisis or the last housing downturn in 2008. Watch a couple of those documentaries on Netflix. When you see the Hank Paulsons and the Ben Bernanke's of the world that were put in power to make decisions and you look at their credentials, they went to college. That's pretty much what their credentials were. Or they were way up the food chain in big hedge funds. You know, the same hedge funds that pickpocket America's retirement plans. Guys and girls, now is the time to take this gleaming, shining pile of crap that's laying in front of you and learn how to work through this. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that to educate you, hopefully open your eyes to see that you are in the position to avoid anything bad happening to you. Because if you learn from this, if you take time to educate yourself right now, you're going to find ways to prosper through this. Will there be economic crisis in the future? Absolutely, without a doubt. However, you can choose to be a victim or you can choose to be a victor. Now I'm choosing to be a victor. I am not a financial advisor. I'm not a fancy economist, but I am a guy that studies economists and finds people, seeks people out that are smarter than I am, and I follow them. And I've already listed a couple of those people that I follow. I implore you to take some action today to learn about what's going on in the world aside from the coronavirus. The coronavirus is a temporary situation. The U.S. financial market is a permanent situation and will have a far greater impact on us than the coronavirus ever did. However, if you take the time to educate yourself, to learn and take appropriate action to protect yourself, then you're going to be fine through this. That I assure you. But if you continue to have your head in the sand, if you continue to say, I'll deal with this tomorrow, then this is going to hit you like a tidal wave and take you out. That's the reality of life. So choose to be a victor. Choose to get to the, and if you can't afford to buy the little purple books or the books on Amazon or Audible, you can go to your public library as soon as this, this, uh, quarantine is over with and you can check books out for free. Now, I realize that books are someone's opinion, but I do say, I do believe this. The folks that put books out are generally judged by the masses. So maybe you go on Amazon, you read the, read the reviews, read the ratings, search for the terrible reviews, the worst ones, read those, and then use that information to decide if that's a book that you want to purchase or not. My book, which is free still, by the way, nomoneydownbook.com will teach you several different ways, absolutely for free on how you can do real estate deals without having to use your own money. Understand this, the more mortgage industry is in deep trouble. It's anybody's guess when they're going to recover. However, as a real 
real estate investor. If you know how to raise money and you know how to do deals without having to beg a bank to do it, you are going to prosper through this beyond your wildest dreams. And that book of mine is free. Again, nomoneydownbook.com. Nomoneydownbook.com. Go get a free copy. Read it. If you already got the free copy and you didn't read it, well, go read it now because the information I put in that book will help you immensely. It'll help you get deals done. It'll help you get deals profitable. And it will guarantee if you take action that you will prosper through these troubling times. My friends, I wish you well this week. I will be back in touch with you shortly.